Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. This week's films are Grotesque and Hell Night. Yeah, that was my high school prom. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to the Midnight Drive-In at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food or drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Drive away your worries and cares at this drive-in theater. That's why, to familiarize you with the movie rating symbols which will be used by this theater, we present the following guide for parents and young people. X, no one under 17 admitted. Well, who are on time are losers? Well, let's, let's not too far off. <laughs> I don't know. Is that our official stance? If you're on time, you're a loser. Fuck you. Yeah. Yeah, you know. All right. I'm fine with it. Whatever. Let's, let's just say it's Johnny from Cobra Kai would have, and I feel like I'm gonna more uh, uh, build my life around what Johnny would do because it obviously worked out super well for him. Well, that's really a Johnny season one attitude. <laughs> Johnny season two would feel that way, but then try to cover it up. Trying to stumble over his words, trying to sound more intelligent. <laughs> so, how's everybody's week? Nobody, all right. nobody got COVID, I'm assuming. I've got to be Not super immune by now, right? Seems like you would be like the most immune. You're like vaccinated, you've had it twice now. feel like you would just be fully assimilated into the COVID Borg at this point. I'm slowly either developing superpowers or lung cancer. It's one or the other. Either way, just... Those aren't mutually exclusive. You can have both. That's true. Mm, maybe your superpower comes from your lung cancer? Ooh, cancer man. Do you shoot, like, cancer it's... bullets out of your mouth when you cough? I want to say there actually was a comic book character who, like, touched you and gave you cancer. But I can't remember who it was. Uh, I, mean, I don't know if it was specifically cancer, but there was that dude, Carrion, who would kind of kill you if he touched you. Well, and there was that AIDS vampire that everybody pretends didn't exist. I don't remember that at all. What? That's a terrible way to describe gay people from the 80s, no? <sighs> No, it was straight up a Nazi AIDS vampire, and he killed, like, the only popular gay character by giving him AIDS. You don't, I, I don't know how you don't know that as a person who I, knows a little bit about comic books. I don't. What company? Oh, fuck. Was that Marvel or DC? See, you don't even know what company. You're acting like everybody should know. Oh. <laughs> well, it's, uh, God. 
because the gay character was uh, what's his face? North Star is that his name? Yeah, that's Alpha Flight. That's Marvel. Come on, Noah. But I could be wrong. Let me double. Let me double check it. He's not dead anymore, so does it really count anymore? Did you meet any AIDS vampires this week, Doug? Uh, I don't believe I've given or gotten AIDS all week. That's good. It's usually a pretty good stance, I guess. No, it was it, it was DC. Because the, the bad guy's name, and I'm not joking, was Kima Goblin. Mm. Yeah. All right. So probably a character best left <laughs> to the dustbin of time. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And uh, I, who it was. Uh, God damn it. What's the it was the team that was basically like kind of like Alpha Flight New Guardians. Um, I don't even know what that team is. So, yeah, I was definitely much more of a Marvel person. I did get into DC pretty heavily for a while, but then they pissed me off, so I just dumped them all together. Right after uh, Blackest Night was over with. I try not to read any comics if they're about AIDS, regardless of who produced them. <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty, I mean, it's my stance on the matter. I think, I think everybody in the comic book industry can all agree that that character was a bad call. <laughs> no, I disagree. I think there's one asshole running around the DC offices insisting that it wasn't the uh, hemoglobin that killed that guy. It was his deviant lifestyle. And nobody likes that guy, but he's got tenure. They can't fire him. I could point you to a uh, YouTube video that has a bunch of comments on it that would lead me to believe all of those guys would probably enjoy that character. A YouTube video? Are you just not yeah. trying? You can only find one YouTube video no. with terrible comments? I'm just saying specifically, I know one. Because I had a new video come out this week where I posted... The most anticipated horror movies of the year. And just about uh, 95% of the comments was a bunch of dudes under it going, why is everything got to be fucking women now? This is some woke bullshit. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, oh, good. I finally have a bunch of horrible people. Yeah. If you get woke, you'll go broke. That's what they say. <clears throat> All those people are going to protest, you know. Mm. Why is the new pinhead got to be a woman? And then you try to tell them, well, specifically in the original story, the lead Cenobite was sexless, so it didn't really matter. No, Doug Bradley played him for all those movies. That's my pinhead. I don't understand why it's got to be a woman now. I was well, more annoyed with yeah, the pinhead was kind was of sexless, but didn't didn't it refer to her as the Cenobite Queen or something like that? I don't even remember. I, I was thinking it almost specifically said it is a woman. I, I remember know. it being very female, but I haven't read that in like 20 years, so cannot say for sure. But it doesn't matter. They want the the one from the original movie. And then if you probably tried to point out all the gay, gay subtext, then they'd be like, no, it's definitely not. 
Yeah, what's gay about Clive Barker? That's ridiculous. Stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I'm not uh, far be it for me to like bash bash on an effeminate guy or anything, but uh Clive Barker may be the gayest gay guy of all time. I don't know. <laughs> if I mean, you've ever if you've he's... ever watched any interviews with him, you're like, Jesus, dude. He's certainly not hiding it. That's, he was out of the closet before it was cool, I'll tell you that. He didn't give a shit. No. He's very foppish, and I do not say that in a derogatory term. He's just, he is who he is, and he's been perfectly fine with that, seemingly, since he was born. So, good for him. Yeah. Right. Certainly, but, as long as he's been in the public spotlight, he's been just comfortable with it yep. in himself, and that's, that's a positive thing. Yeah. But, you know. Andy's probably the best horror writer whose last name isn't King from the last several decades. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah, I just, I was reading through all these. And of course, Jordan Peele's got a new movie coming out. So, of course, then everybody's got to be like, Jordan Peele's a fucking racist. He won't hire white people if they're not evil in his movie. And I'm just like, Jesus fucking Christ. Calm the fuck down. You know what's hilarious about this is a minor spoiler alert for later in the show, but I'm actually going to complain about the wokeness in one of the Jordan Peele's projects. Oh, no. so. <laughs> <sighs> Doug, yeah. you're going to be one of those people. I am. Disappointing. <sighs> well, let's just get this whole disappointing episode over with. <laughs> it's a bit of a rough week for everybody. I, I don't know. My week was all right. It was like, uh, well, apparently you had 85 free hours to watch these two hour and 45 minute movies. <laughs> um, all right. Well, which one do we want to do first? <laughs> Noah, do you want to talk about grotesque? Sure. So, uh, grotesque is a movie. First of all, are you sure? <laughs> let's establish, let's establish <laughs> that up all, front. I think it's almost true. Because there will be there will be questions. Uh, I'm trying to decide how to do this. So so it's actually several movies. So the first movie is a home invasion movie, right? Where a bunch of evil punks break into a. Uh, Hollywood elites mountain cabin and and terrorize he and his family to death. Right. That's a, that's a normal movie. And then that movie ends. And then it's a slasher movie about uh, a deformed basement dweller guy who who breaks out of that house and then murders all the punks. And then that movie ends and we get a police procedural about them trying to uh convict the two remaining punks of of the crimes because it's now being pinned on uh monster man and then we get a third movie which is like a murder revenge movie where the brother of the first guy comes in and uh, he's a plastic surgeon and he kidnaps the two remaining punks uh locks them in a room and performs horrible plastic surgeries on them and then reveals that he too is a funky monster man uh, and that other monster man was his son 
Uh, and then there's a weird smash cut to an ending that has nothing to do with any of those things in which this whole thing has been a movie screening and a werewolf and a wolfman terrorize a room full of people for their werewolf, negative werewolf and a Frankenstein's monster. Yeah, yeah. They're negative said a werewolf and a wolf monsters. Man. Oh, that's, that's what I meant. Werewolf <laughs> and a Frankenstein. Sure. You know what I'm talking about. Uh, and terrorize them for their negative portrayal of monsters. Well, I want to make sure you said it because this movie, you don't want to misinterpret anything that's in this movie. <laughs> Wait, you can interpret something that happened in this movie? <laughs> no. Jesus. This is so Christ. fucking weird. This fucking what an movie. experience this was. Man, oh my God. a lot of fucking shit happens in this movie in a very short period of time. Do you guys remember at the beginning of this movie? There's two young girls driving up to a mountain cottage. And for the first like 15 minutes, I was totally convinced those are the main characters of the movie. <laughs> well, <laughs> then I don't know what one the of them, well, they're the main characters of the first movie. Yeah, one of them's Linda Blair, who is also a producer yeah. on this movie. So you would figure she so, would have a lot of screen time. Associate producer. Oh, I'm Come sorry. Down. Still. Oh, it was oh. so weird. Those two girls are driving up there and they, they meet the punks on the road and you're like, I've read the plot description. So I'm like, okay, those punks are going to terrorize those girls. That seems like a movie, especially in the eighties. You're like, that's enough. And then there's implications during the opening scenes that there's like someone living under the stairs and that he's fucked up. Cause that's why they have him living under the stairs. And I'm like, I don't understand what that's about, but all right, whatever. It's the eighties. I'll go with it. And when that guy comes out and he's like monster man and now he's doing revenge on the punks, I'm like, I don't know what's happening anymore. <laughs> like it was already not a particularly well made movie or well told story leading up to that point. But then all of a sudden it turns into monster man chasing punks through the snow. And you're like, well, sometimes through the snow, sometimes not through the snow. It depends what day they got their shot, I guess. So, but yep. Because that's a whole separate problem in this movie. But then for a while, I'm like, okay, that can be the rest of this movie. But it's so not the rest of the movie. There's so much more to come. It's so weird how many turns this. It's almost like an anthology movie, like Trick or Treat. Like an that's anthology exactly movie what I was going to compare it to. It feels like an anthology movie. Yeah, and then they have their fun little twist ending. And none of it makes any sense, which is fine, I guess. I don't know. Holy shit. <laughs> That's a reasonable response to this movie. I mean, so so this of of all the glaring issues with this movie, and there may be a couple, <laughs> maybe a couple. I would say it's its biggest problem is pacing. So it starts real slow, and then it kind of kicks into high gear, and you're kind of like, "All right, all right, oh, there you go. and then it comes to just a grinding fucking halt halfway through the movie and just stops like until the last whatever 15 or 20 minutes of the movie it's bizarre the, like is it the, it's just bizarrely paced it is a, there's no arguing that point it is a very strange way to put a movie together um, I, I, I don't think there's any other way to describe it it's just it's very weird the way everything plays out um, and it's, it's, 
it's strange in weird ways too because like the uncle slash turns out to be the dad of the deformed guy that lives under the stairs is like he's a main character for the last half an hour of the movie yeah but he's referenced in dialogue throughout the first part of the movie it's like why not just have him there like why not just have him be at the cabin with the rest of his family where they're all just sitting around waiting for him and we have to listen to the girls talk about whether he's going to be cute or not and it's like that then you don't have to introduce the main character for the second half of the movie in that second half of the movie it's i couldn't find any trivia on it but this it felt a lot to me like one of those movies where they hired a bunch of actors and then ran out of money and couldn't pay those actors anymore and had to like vamp for time. So they shot extra stuff with different actors. And then tried to fill it all in. That right. makes sense to me. I but, mean, but I couldn't find anything that said that's what happened with this. No, it's definitely like true that they filmed it over like a period of time because like they, they're in, they're in a cabin. They get to a cabin and it's fall and they go inside and there's a rainstorm and when they come back out it's winter and that's not how rainstorms work. So obviously they filmed parts of this movie at different times of the year in the same locations. But they did shoot and, them driving up the mountain last because Linda Blair has to point out that uh yeah, I don't know, the weather's all over the place. My mom said it's almost uh, melted up by the house. It's so weird because there will be scenes in this movie where a character is running through like six or seven inches of snow and like it looks pretty cool. So you're like paying attention to it, but then they'll cut to like an establishing shot of the lake, which is clearly the fall and there's no snow on the ground whatsoever. And then they go back to the inside of the house and there's a rainstorm going on outside and you're like, you can't do all those in a row. Like you can, you can have it be not winter at the beginning of your movie and winter at the end of your movie by establishing the fact that snow is falling, but you can't go back and forth. That's not how it works. Not in the same day, <laughs> unless this movie is intended to take place over months. Cause there is a random scene shot in a, in a mine shaft and we don't know how long those characters are in that mine shaft. Maybe they were down there for six months. I don't know, <laughs> but it's very, very weird. Yeah, yeah. I have a I have a lot of weird mixed emotions about this film because while it's just it's so fucking bad, right? That like I said, that pacing <laughs> is just unbearable. The fact that they they kill that many people and then the movie just fucking stops, and you spend <laughs> twenty minutes with these at this fucking cop station with these two cops playing bad cop, good cop. And it like transitions into a weird comedy oh. for fucking 35 minutes, which, which we should point out. Linda Blair is hurt really bad. They think it's from deformed guy. So then another 20 minutes goes by where the police and the uncle are like, well, what are we going to do? These fucking punkers, blah, 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 blah. And then at the hospital, like, Oh, she didn't make it. Yeah, she dies no. off screen. <laughs> yeah, it's like, what, what's the fucking point? Just have her killed at the thing. Jesus Christ. Do they think it's they might so get strange. her back for some more scenes? And they're like, well, let's leave it open just in case she comes back. And then she's like, nah, I'm going to go do some other movie. And they're like, fuck. All right, well, kill her off. 
I feel like it was like part of being her, her associate producer. She gets to decide how long she's alive for. And the writers didn't want her alive anymore. So they're just like, I put her in like a coma, stick her in the corner, <laughs> make her lay in a bed and stare at the ceiling for a while. See if she likes that fucking associate producer. Jesus Christ. <laughs> this, this movie was something else, man. <laughs> What about the fact that it's there's just, a guy? I mean, it's chaos in movie form. <laughs> but it's, that, the okay. punk, it's the punk aesthetic of having the punk aesthetic. Do, do you guys remember the part where one of the main characters of this movie is a guy that's been living under the stairs for years because his dad couldn't handle the fact that he was deformed? So he gave him to his brother's family and they put him under a set of stairs and made him live in what appears to be a oh. baby's nursery, even though he's a grown oh, no. adult. For, forgive me for use of uh, a word I don't particularly like using, but it wasn't because he was deformed. It was because he was deformed and retarded. Oh, I guess that's true. And, and, you so know, are, are we implying that by 80s standards that makes it okay to put him under the stairs and keep him there for the rest of his life? No, I think that makes it worse. I'm just saying, look, it's there's there's another story where... <laughs> Some a couple gave their kid to uh, his his uncle, and he had to live under the stairs for most of his life. But then that kid turned out to be a wizard, and that sold billions of dollars worth of stuff. So, yeah, you're right. This movie wasn't far off. That's they were trying. <laughs> they were shooting for that Harry Potter money, and they just dropped the ball just a little bit by the movie making uh, no fucking sense. Yeah. Although that's not even fair. I shouldn't say it makes no sense because it totally makes sense. Like if you follow it plot wise, you're like, yeah, it's a movie about some girls go up to visit the one girl's family and they get terrorized by punks. And then the deformed brother takes revenge on the punks. And then the cops pin the murders on the deformed brother. And then the deformed brother turns out is actually a cousin. And the uncle shows up and takes revenge on the punks for getting his son framed. I mean, when you say it like that, it all just makes complete sense, except for the tagged on ending with the wolf fan and the Frankenstein. <laughs> fucking Lord. I just, once again, so, so this movie's a travesty, but we all know I love travesties in film. And I don't, there's just so much I love about it. I love the random 80s street punks. <laughs> that, that did or did not exist at that time, but were in every movie. Specifically, uh, Robert oh, Zadar. Robert hey, Zadar. Yeah, yeah young, young Robert Zadar just is a oh, bit that, player in this fucking. By the way, ballet. There's of a freaks. <laughs> there's a plot point in this movie where a group of street thugs that are roaming the countryside murdering and stealing from families have narrowed in on this guy who does special effects in makeup uh, in movies because that's the guy whose family you want to kill because he's bound to have a ton of cash in the house right well there's the rumor that they're keeping a secret up there and therefore that must be money yes and instead it turns out to be patrick <laughs> jesus deformed son really honestly is not that deformed like they could have lasered some of that shit off and he would have looked normal. Well, they didn't have lasers back then. It was the 80s. Uh, 80s had all kinds of lasers. Are you killing me? Well, and just, they I mean, say just, over again that the, just the uncle, 
And the parents, like, judging by their conversations, are talking about how gentle and harmless he is. They keep him in a padlocked room hidden behind a bookcase. Well, what the let's, fuck, man? Have, let's also mention, like, the, the deformed element of it. He looks very much like his father, who just wears makeup and is able to pass as a normal person every day. So, <laughs> so it's definitely the it's just, mentally handicapped aspect of it. Yes. And so it's just like, well, he's mentally handicapped. And despite being harmless, we feel the need to keep him under the stairs. And not only just in a room under the stairs, for people who haven't seen the movie, they put a bookshelf in the door case so that it, it's like a hidden room. So that no one will know there's a room there. And if the daughter's away at college all the time and the dad is always in L.A. working on movies, is the mom at least there living with this handicapped child or does he just in that house alone most of the time? Because that's even worse, I think. I don't even know. (laughs) This fucking movie. (laughs) This this I. Yeah, Chaos Incarnate. That's what this movie was. It was bonkers shit, man. So, positives. I, I dig most of the kills in this movie. Yeah, they were all right. Yeah. They're low budget, early 80s kills. Yeah. Oh, man. Even even with the low budget, that first neck break yeah. of that shit. That neck break is good. That one was very good. They got the sound effect perfect and it was a little louder than everything else that was going on on screen yeah i actually rewound that a couple of times because the the cut for the effect was so seamless yeah i'm not exactly sure how they did it Uh, for all we know in this movie they really killed the chick well if you heard that guy at the beginning the guy's a genius in uh, makeup effects Although all the stuff that he's commenting on looked pretty, pretty not that impressive. <laughs> Very, <to me. laughs> yeah, like they're they're really complimenting his Mr. Kruger, by the way. They're complimenting Mr. Kruger's makeup um, <laughs> when it does not look that great. But it's fine. Which which I didn't know what was going on at the beginning of this movie. It opens with just somebody talking over the shot of a castle mm-hmm. and it goes on forever I'm way like, too long i already way fucking too hate long. this movie this movie is the worst <laughs> and then uh, it finally cuts to me. it finally cuts to the lady talking and then she again talks forever about nothing <laughs> and then something yeah, comes, they do your best some, to turn you off they want like everyone turn off the movie everyone turn off the movie and we're like no we will stick it through <laughs> <laughs> somebody comes into like a mask and like leans over her like a vampire type thing cut to a screening room like you've done it again sir you're a genius and i'm just like oh god no you're not <laughs> this is terrible uh, but at least they're, they're making a comment on well this is the type of pretentious bullshit that we the people get complimented on. I'm like, okay. But then the rest of the movie well, see, just lives up to the rest of it. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> I can't, I, I get the impression, Noah, that you enjoyed this movie and Brian, that you hated this movie. Oh, and I, I, I can't, it. I cannot agree with either one of you. I just can't do it. I have I, no idea. I enjoyed this movie. parts of this movie. It was, the thing is, it was just so insane. <laughs> this, the whole idea 
that you have 11 plots in this movie and they don't interchange. It's one after another, after another, after another. It's just so bonkers. We like when we did the Fulci movies and we talked about how like they set up the red herring, knock it down, set it up, knock it down rather than having like multiple um, suspects in the murder at once. That's kind of what this movie does, but with entire plots, (laughs) it's, it's just yeah this is just a movie about some girls going up to a cottage no it's not there's punks no it's not the punks are are home invaders no it's not there's a guy under the stairs what the fuck jesus christ (laughs) i love how i was gonna say and it's got that weird not not the not the wolfman ending but the pre-ending ending it's very mm-hmm. creep showy. I'm kind of like, I enjoy that too, where he's kind of sitting sure. in the chair and you see them in the room through the thing. I, I just don't get, I don't get how on paper, I think this movie's fucking genius, right? On paper. If, <laughs> if somebody came to me and was like, Hey, read this plot. I'd be like, fuck. Yes. <laughs> The and is, then they just the instead of for this? instead of making that movie, they just uh, they just like did a bunch of shit. <laughs> this fucking movie. <laughs> I don't know. No, because it's even the shorter of the movies, and it still felt like yeah. it was a five-hour movie. Oh yeah, it it takes a long time to watch this movie it feels like because of the pacing issues that we've already discussed and because you always feel like a movie is coming to the end but then there's a whole other movie coming up <laughs> yeah well that's that's what i'm saying you get to a point and you're like man this movie's almost over and you look at the clock and you're like wait it's only been going for 20 minutes what in the fuck is going on <laughs> like when it finally gets to the like the real ending where apparently you know, we are the look at watching this through the point of view of Frankenstein and the Wolfman who have been watching this movie in theaters and are not happy with the way things are being portrayed. It's like I at that point, I'm like, I don't even know how to be surprised by this anymore. Like I'm literally this whole movie has been about human beings. And now there are two literal monsters on the screen. And I don't know how to be caught off guard because I've been caught off guard so many times that I'm played out. I can't do it anymore. So I guess Oh. God damn it. This movie He's getting angry. two recommends and one not recommend. I think that's what's happening here. I think I'm coming down on Noah's side on this one. Oh, Jesus oh, Christ. Yeah. yeah, I think people should see this. No. I think, I, think, I think maybe you should just be slightly prepared for it. Maybe unaware of the whole. <laughs> but I don't you know. You should be warned about that slow part. I almost wow. think it's better if people go into this blind. Obviously, they can't if they're going in on my recommendation because we've already said so much. But the idea of sitting down and watching this completely blind the way I did, I want I what I want to watch is those stupid YouTube reaction videos of people watching this movie. That's what I want to see now. I just want the look on people's faces when the plot just keeps twisting every 10 minutes. Well, my reaction video would just be me on my phone because I'm just like, what the fuck? Get on my phone. Okay. And then 15 minutes later, be like, what the fuck? And then just 
look even further to whatever I'm reading instead of watching the movie. You gotta put that well, phone down. You I, you'll miss all the important no, tidbits. There was no film. important tidbits. It's Zero like Memento. There's so many important little things you have to catch as the plots progress. Uh, how else could you catch whatever foreshadowing there might have been about Frankenstein oh, showing up at the end? <laughs> I'm guessing there was zero. Zero foreshadowing. I, I also guess that. <laughs> I don't think it's fair to call this movie boring. I I can completely agree with people's a lot of criticisms of this, but I don't know if I can call it boring. What about when those know. girls get up there and that mom really, really wants them to take showers? Did you guys find that weird? It's <laughs> <laughs> like two college girls pull up to the family house and they go in there like getting settled in. And the mom's like, you two better take your showers. And they're like, well, we're just getting settled in now. She's like, no showers. And she's like, well, like, well maybe after dinner. No, you shower before dinner in this house. She's adamant that they each need to take a shower and then we don't even get to watch them take showers. I was going to say, at least I was like, at least we're going to get some nudity and no yeah. fucking nudity in Why? this movie. Why are there no tits in this movie? What? About, okay, but let's put the shower scenes aside. What about in the middle of the home invasion when the two punks decide to have sex with each other and we still don't get any nudity. No. <laughs> I'm like, why are we stopping our home invasion to have a sex scene that has no nudity in it? We're just watching two punks. Like, at one point, I think the one punk is forcing himself on that other punk. And I'm like, well, don't. She's your home invasion partner. You don't force yourself on her. That's not how home invasions work. You've <laughs> even doing that wrong. Not to criticize people's home invasions. Home invasion, however you want, I guess. <laughs> um, I don't know. Anybody else have anything else they want to say? I just... I, I, I think my biggest criticism of the film is the fact that it, I have no idea what season it takes place in. That's the part that kept my attention the most throughout this movie was trying to guess whether when they went back outside, whether it would be fall or winter or spring. <laughs> I was just like, I don't it's, think we have any it's winter, summer, summer, spring. It's yeah. It's, it's insanity that you would film half a movie with snow on the ground and half the movie without snow on the ground and not address it. And in the middle of it, you have a giant rainstorm, which would literally melt the snow, but that's not, that's not what happens in the movie either. <laughs> There are scenes in this movie where they're inside the house. One of the girls has escaped the home invasion. The people inside are in the middle of a rainstorm, lightning, thunder, the whole deal. Cut to the girl running outside. It is a beautiful winter night. Perfect for going out for a stroll. It's that right level of cold where your feet don't get wet when you walk through the snow. She's having a great time running through the forest in this winter. Cut back to the inside of the house. They're still in the middle of this winter of this storm that I saw no evidence of when we were outside. It's insane. I don't know how anyone could edit a film together this way. <laughs> well, they definitely did it. <laughs> so, like, I'm sure shooting it over fifty weekends is not going to be a problem for continuity. <laughs> well, the thing is. It's not that it's not going to be a, like that would be a problem no matter who you are, but there's ways to do it, right? You film all the outdoor stuff at one point and then film all the indoor stuff. And then you don't, when you're doing the indoor stuff, you don't have a rainstorm unless when you go outside, it's going to be raining. Like it's, 
Those are your two options. <laughs> uh, fascinating, fascinating movie. All right. Well, moving from that one, Doug, do you want to tell us about Hell Knight? All right. <laughs> um, so it's pledge night at like a sorority and a fraternity that each only take two pledges a year each. Uh, so they put all the pledges, the two girls and the two guys into an old haunted mansion that happens to be near the fraternity house through sheer coincidence that has running water, but no electricity and no heat. Uh, and their plan is to like scare them a bit, but little do they know that there's a, once again, there's a weird deformed guy living under some stairs. who's going to come out and torment them. And that is the entire plot of the movie. <laughs> right. Cause I'm not, I'm not going to lie to you. I had a lot of trouble keeping track of this movie because every time somebody would get killed, I honestly thought it was one of the main characters being killed. And then all the four main characters would still be there. And I'm like, I wish all these girls didn't have the same eighties hair. Cause I can't tell them apart during kill scenes. <laughs> Listen, it's the old school. Hey, we're going to the haunted house, but the haunting turns out to be fake, but there turns out to really be a killer inside of the fake haunted house. You know, that old tale from yeah. the It's here's the thing about this movie. When I watched this one, so I watched the movie. It's almost over. And I'm literally sitting here thinking, I have no idea what I'm going to say about this movie. I can't remember a single character name. I don't, none of the deaths were interesting enough that I've got them in fresh in my brain. I remember like the one shot of the ghost was kind of interesting. And I don't know what, like, how am I going to analyze this film at any level? And then I bump my remote and realize I'm only 20 minutes into the movie. I think it's over. Cause it feels like it's been going on for an hour and a half, but we're barely getting started. And it was excruciating to sit through this movie. It legitimately felt like, like I kept checking the time to see what was left in the movie. And every time I was like, I cannot believe more time hasn't passed because <laughs> nothing fucking happens. You know, what's weird. So I agree that the movie's too long. I, I didn't have any problem watching this movie. Because no. it was like an hour 43, and you say, oh, it's too long. Well, that's not too long. That's how long a movie's supposed to be. <laughs> 96 minutes. I'm old school. I just, I am, well, yeah, I guess it's that extra seven minutes or whatever the fuck we're talking about that you think <laughs> is the problem. But it is like every time somebody talks, I'm just like, I wish they wouldn't. And there's a whole like little subplot where the one guy escapes the house and he runs to town to get help. And then nobody wants to help him. And I'm like, A, this doesn't make any fucking sense. But also B, why are we spending all our time on this? Like if the whole this is a haunted house movie, great. Why are we outside of the haunted house now? Though that doesn't make any fucking sense. The whole thing is just oh very difficult to sit through. And I can't really pinned down because there's there's no scene where I can point to and go oh the dialogue was so bad that I was rolling my eyes it's just there's not a single scene that made me think oh yes I would like to watch more of this 
Because the story's not even that original. Like, it's a story we've all no. heard before. Even it's just one of those, like, urban legend, like, you know. Oh, to, you know, this frat or sorority or whatever would make their pledges run up and, you know, spend the night in the haunted house and then something bad would happen. Oh, my God. How did they make it this boring? It's weird. It's... I don't know. It's it's a, it was it was a tough watch. I don't know what to say. I, and once again, even with it having the the air of a, a fraternity sorority situations and and all of the sexual charge and people doing drugs and shit. Mm-hmm. Once again, where's the nudity? This movie should have nudity. Ooh. I think this is an important point we need to make about nudity in film. You don't have to have nudity in your movie to make it a fun movie to watch. You can totally choose to make a movie with no nudity in it. But in the last movie we talked about, you can't have girls spend 15 minutes talking about getting in the shower and then not show them in the shower. And in this one, we literally have a couple that spends the entire movie in a bedroom. She's in her underwear. He's in his underwear they're talking about having sex and then when they finally do we don't see it like, come on like that's poor filmmaking at some point like that's just like don't just don't have them go in a bedroom have them have those same boring ass conversations in a dining room or a living room and then we wouldn't be anticipating it and we, it wouldn't be a problem like it, it's just yeah I don't know that reminds me. I of didn't even want to see the girls in this movie naked at that point, though. I'm like, this—they'll probably be their boobs will be boring the way this movie's going. <laughs> Something I forgot to bring up in the last movie, but <laughs> for some reason, you talking about all that just reminded me of it. Why did the last movie start with the two girls at, at like lunch or dinner or whatever, and then cut to them driving, and then cut to them pulling up to a Burger King? I mean, they only got drinks, but still, like, what was the point? There, there are two answers to that. Number one, uh, god awful exposition, and, and well, number I, that, two, product placement. I guess product yeah. placement because I don't the, think they talked about anything important in that scene whatsoever. There's no way. There's no way that the Burger King logo was on screen that long without them paying for that, right? So. <laughs> Mind you, that film was so unorganized that it's possible they filmed that and then tried to go get the money from Burger King, and then Burger King was like, no, and they used the shot anyway. But <laughs> it is, yeah, you're right. It was ridiculous. Utterly ridiculous. Yeah. They just... Also, if you want to see a good uh, movie of Linda Blair versus punks, go watch uh, Savage Streets instead. We We did that on the show, I believe. We did. And that was a much bigger recommend than that movie. Yeah. Uh, so that means Hell Night was so boring. I'm talking about other shows that we've already covered on other just, movies on once, this show. Once again, I I don't think I'm on the same page as you guys. I just didn't find it all that boring. No, oh, I did. It's not the oh. best like slasher movie I've ever seen in my entire life, but the kills are all right. There's quite a few of them. The pacing's okay. Like I said, it's too long. You could edit 15 minutes out of this movie. Edit edit out some of the just uh, benign conversations that they're having about nothing at certain points. But besides that, I'm well, all right with it. 
Yeah, you're wrong. Mm. Um, <laughs> and I, like, and I, I was supportive of your position on the last film. This isn't just me being a dick. I, this one was really hard to get through. Really slow. Just didn't care about anything that was happening. The only thing in this movie that I had any emotional reaction to was in the very beginning, where the the dickhead that wears the Robin Hood costume, he's pouring himself a beer. And I'm going to tell you right now, if you pour your beer the way that guy pours his beer, you're not welcome listening to this podcast. It was offensive <laughs> watching him like he was like banging the can against the glass and I'm getting mad at him for this. Uh, not realizing at that point in the movie that that was going to be the only emotional reaction to anything that happened in the movie <laughs> I had. But no, if, if you think I'm going to I'll take it a step further. If you watch this movie and you don't get angry at how he pours that beer, I don't even want to be your friend. That's completely unacceptable it's you shouldn't even if that was a pretend beer that they had for the movie you shouldn't portray it that way because you're just being a bad influence on our society it was very upsetting how'd you feel about the fact that they just like edited in a second killer for no reason i didn't care (laughs) about that i i legit had no reaction to that whatsoever Keeping in mind, again, I was trying to figure out what to say about the movie and it was 15 minutes in or something thinking it was over because there was like one chase scene where I assumed that we were following the survivor girl and then they kill her. It was the one that gets her head chopped off. So. Um, and it's not that's actually one of the better kills in the movie where they do like the chopped the head and you kind of see the body fall away, but they cut really quickly so that you don't realize it's shitty 80s effects. And then you're like, okay, so the he got her. That's it. The movie's over. And I'm like, oh no, all of the characters are still alive. She was someone else. <laughs> I didn't like this movie. <laughs> yeah, me neither. This was a bad week. Well, like this... I said, my week was all right. <laughs> <laughs> apparently COVID fucked up his brain so much that he enjoyed this movie. I don't get it. (laughs) Got the COVID damage. (laughs) Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to TheMidnightDriveIn at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Alright, what did everybody watch this week? Uh, I rewatched Suicide Squad. Yeah. Uh, and hey, the one or the old it, one that nobody it, likes? No, no, the new one. I, I ain't watched another one. That other one fucking sucked. Uh, I don't disagree. Yeah, and it was it's it's still pretty good. I I still fall on the the fence of I don't think it's uh, Gunn's best work. I agree, but it's still good. I mean, it's good. It's funny. It's got Starro in it. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, I had to rewatch it because you know Peacemaker comes out next week. It's true. In which he was funny enough that I'm sure the show's gonna be good. So 
Yeah, more interested in everybody around him. Like Vigilante looks really funny for some reason. Uh, I finally finished Stargirl. Mm-hmm. From, uh, <laughs> I don't, I don't know what happened. I like watched the first half of the season and then got distracted with stuff and forgot I still had a half a season to watch. I think I still got two episodes left. Oh man! Well then, I don't want to spoil it. Yeah, I don't spoil that. But I'm trying there to remember. Are, there, what of happened. course, there of course is a character stinger at the uh, the end of the last episode of the season, which that's. Mm. I mean, that's not exactly a spoiler. That happens every show, every time. <laughs> but it's it's a character that I was like, I never. Ever, ever, ever in a million years would have been like, yeah, someday there will be a live action version of that character. I'll have no clue who it is. You will not. <laughs> I can almost guarantee it. It's it's such a fucking not not exactly obscure. But niche character that I just I can't imagine nine-tenths of people have any idea who the fuck it is. Yeah, unfortunately, the CW uh, DC shows are losing me. I have like nine episodes of Legends of Tomorrow I gotta catch up on. Eleven episodes of Supergirl that I have to watch. Damn. Two two episodes of Stargirl. So... Yeah, weirdly, I thought Stargirl was going to be the one that I would drop off of real quick because of how um, I don't I don't know how to describe it, how CWE it is, mm-hmm. as opposed to like, because, you know, Flash and all of them had it. But I think yeah. it has it even more, which is funny because it didn't even start on CW. But it's Star- very, it's a very cartoony feeling. Stargirl that... started on CW. No, it didn't. It started on the streaming service, didn't uh, it? No, they had a deal that it would run on the streaming service earlier in the week, and then it would air on CW a couple days no. later. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So it, it was done in conjunction. So. Sorry. Still, still CW. But I get your point. Yeah. But, uh. Yeah, but it turned out to be real good. I actually think this season was even better because I thought they did a good job of making uh, Eclipso more of a real threat. Because mm-hmm. the first the first season, they kind of, I don't know, they made the bad guys so cartoonish that you were like, yeah, nothing's going to happen. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like the thing I didn't like this season is just how uh, emotional everybody's being over what happened in the first season. Like the wildcat girl being like, I can't believe I had to kill somebody. It's just like, all right, I get it. And then she, you know, gives up being wildcat, at least for everything I've seen so far. And it's just like very sullen about it. And then I thought the idea of Rick having Solomon Grundy out in the woods and going out to feed him all the time was interesting. But then right. as of yet, I don't feel like that's paid off in any way that's enjoyable. So <sighs> I just feel like they could have done a better job, but 
what the fuck do I know? Yeah, I think that's true with most stuff, though. Yeah. Uh, and I think I think that might be it. Besides right. that, I just watched a shit ton of Star Trek. Right. You want to give us a detailed description of each episode? Uh, I did just uh, watch the episode. Uh, God damn it. What's it, What's the name of it? Darmok or whatever. It's the one that there's memes of it everywhere of like Darmok and Jalad at Tanagra. <laughs> yeah, I have no idea what any of those words just meant. Yeah, yeah it's it's good shit. <laughs> What'd you watch, Doug? Uh, let's see. Well, I did have some fun since I since theaters here are closed. I couldn't go back and see Spider Man again. Mm-hmm. So I watched a bunch of other Spider Man. <laughs> I watched the other two <laughs> Tom Holland Spider Man movies, and uh, watched the rewatched the Amazing Spider Man for the first time since theaters. Yeah, is it um, as bad as you remember it being? Oh yeah, yeah. But I watched it with my kid, and he doesn't understand filmmaking, right? Yeah. So he's just. He is. He thinks it's fun every time there's a guy in a Spider-Man suit. He's mildly scared of the lizard, even though he has no good reason to be. <laughs> um, he's still surprised when Stan Lee shows up because I've tried to teach him who Stan Lee is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so he's like, he's like, that's that old man that makes you happy, Dad. And I'm like, yeah, he does make me happy, son. He does. <laughs> he made the world happy, son. Yeah. I'm like, but um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean super fun to rewatch them with a kid who's never seen them and have to like, it's weird though, because it's like you realize the flaws in the film where it's like two minutes into like far from home when the kid's like, but Mysterio's a bad guy. Why is he being nice? And I'm like, it's, it's a trick. Like everyone knows it's a trick. (laughs) They're trying to pretend that we're They're going to surprise their audience. But if the five-year-old can figure it out, then we all know. Um, It's like, I don't even know what to do with that. So I'm like, I'm explaining to him as the movie's going on. I'm like, it's all a trick, but it's it's this whole thing. He's Mysterio. He tricks people. Like it's, you know, things like that are kind of awkward. You know what? I would pay money to meet the person who walked out of that. And they were like, I can't believe Jake Gyllenhaal was the bad guy. You would be surprised. It's fascinating to me. Like how. Like I. I guess we live in a world where geek stuff has become so popular that people who never watched Spider-Man as a kid, like never saw a Spider-Man cartoon are now seeing the movies. Is that what I'm to understand? Seems like it. I don't. That's interesting to me. I don't know. Cause, cause I, I mean, went and saw the second, uh, Star Trek remake. Yeah. Um, and it was that one where like everybody oh, watched the, the trailers. Yeah. yeah, everybody watched the trailers yeah. and we're like, oh Benedict Cumberbatch is gonna is gonna be Khan. And all the filmmakers have been like, No, he's not playing Khan. We're not redoing Star Trek Two, The Wrath of Khan, blah blah blah. And we're like, he's totally gonna be Khan, right? And they're like, Don't be playing character, blah blah blah, whatever fake name they gave him. And then uh in the in the theater, when the reveal comes and he's like my real name is Khan. Somebody in the theater went, <gasps> and I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> like everybody in the entire world knew he was going to be Khan. Don't act surprised. 
those Star Trek movies. That, that's a whole discussion into itself that we'll have to have one day. Because when Star Trek 09 came out, and I was like, holy shit, like this is amazing. They are geniuses. Look what they pulled off here. I love it. And then they made those other two. <laughs> it's like what a what a letdown. Oh my god. Like that like because yeah. I'm not a big Star Trek guy. Like I've seen probably most of the next generation because it's the one that was on TV when I was young. Mm-hmm. And I've seen all the movies many of them just once and like I, the ones I like tend to be the funnier ones because that that makes the most sense to me as a non-fan like you know what I mean like I love part four because they time travel to save whales yeah they do Spock swears to fit in like that's great right like that's funny stuff like I, that's but when 09 came out I was like blown away by how good it was and like how they nailed like the meta element of like explaining to the audience that this is a new timeline. So those other things that happened still happened the way they happened, but now we're in a new world where things are happening differently. And I'm like, they, they nailed it so perfectly and the casting was great. And then I'm like, Oh, I can't wait to see what they do next. They just totally dropped the ball. <laughs> yeah. I didn't it's care. Like, about nine. Uh, I love to, I love star Trek 2009. I it's, probably my favorite thing in the star trek uh that or maybe picard i really like picard too picard's really good and the weird thing is i like picard for a lot of the reasons that i hate star trek 09 okay it's weird well the part of the enjoyment of star trek is that it's this idyllic utopian style future that yes there's conflict and stuff but it's i don't know it's the way they deal with things and the fact that the federation's all about uh exploration and uh peaceful relations and all that kind of stuff and oh nine just did the whole yeah but now we reset the timeline and we gotta go to war with these goddamn romulans you know and it's like ah god fucking damn it no bad but at the same time, Picard kind of does the same thing in which it's OK, well, we got to deal with the aftermath of all this bad stuff. But it's I, the, the perspective has changed to the direction of, yeah, but all those warmongery assholes are wrong. You know what I mean? <laughs> which is good. That's what I want. I want the show to be like, no, they're wrong. We really should just be trying to like. Be peace, lovey space hippies. God damn it! Yeah, I. So as much as I love Star Trek 09, um, I totally understand why Star Trek fans might not like it, because it is one of those reboots that spits in the face of the original in many ways. Um, now, if you have a love for that original, then I get why that's a problem. Whereas I don't, so whatever. It's just super fun. Oh yeah, I'm sure it's I'm sure it's great for people that don't like Star Trek. Yeah, yeah, and that's that'd be me. Yeah, so I I I, I get it because I like you know what I mean. Like when they try to reboot things and they do it in a way that I don't appreciate, and I get super angry. <laughs> and i'm the uber fan that's ranting about it i understand that other people like 
are looking at me like I'm a crazy person. And that's how I feel. But we criticized that film. I totally get it. It's just, it's a perspective thing entirely. But I think it's weird in the early two thousands, how star Wars and star Trek kind of flipped positions. Like one of them used to be on like the politics and stuff of like space travel and how all that works. And the other one was like high octane adventure. And then when Lucas came back for the prequels, it became much more about politics. And then JJ like rebooted Star Trek to make it more exciting. I've been hand. Fans fans seem to hate both of them. In those goddamn lens flares. Oh, oh yeah, they're like, great. I loved every lens flare. Yeah, fuck. fuck you <laughs> can't love every fuck lens flare. Fuck There's you. too many. Fuck you guys for There has to be it. one that upset you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know how my Spider-Man talk led us to upsetting Noah about Star Trek, but I'm glad it did. <laughs> watch anything the Amazing else? Spider-Man is a super fucking mess. Amazing Spider-Man is a super fucking mess mm-hmm. because they don't give a shit about character in that movie whatsoever. So it's like a dark drama one minute and then the next minute he's making his funny little quirps and quips and then the next minute it's back to trying to be a drama and I don't give a shit about it. I don't like that movie. Mm-hmm. But I've seen both of was, them. I've seen, I've seen both of them exactly once. Yeah, I remember thinking the first one wasn't horrible if you got past the fact that you had to go through the origin again well it's not just that you have to go through the origin again it's that the entire movie is effectively a retelling of the first sam raimi movie but with the lizard taking the place of the green goblin it's Mm -hmm. it's this weird thing where it's like it's not a remake and and then but it's got a lot of the same plot points in it Mm -hmm. almost to a t even though we replaced it with a different green villain. <laughs> like <it's, laughs> you, want, you want to know, here's what's wrong with the Amazing Spider-Man. In the Amazing Spider-Man, Peter Parker runs around the whole movie taking pictures with a, uh, a camera. And it's an old school camera that uses actual film. And then he goes home and he edits those pictures on his computer. And that tells you everything you need to know about that movie. Whatever's convenient in the moment, that's what's reality in the moment. It's got nothing to do with trying to tell a cohesive, logical storyline. You know, mm-hmm. there's a fun, cute scene where they're so they're at they're at uh, Gwen Stacy's house for dinner, and Peter has already he's already doing the weird thing where he shows up through her bedroom window, even though she lives on like the twentieth story. Let's grant it that that that's a cute moment in the film where she doesn't understand how he got up there. They're literally out on the balcony. Her whole family's around and she tries to walk away from him and he spider webs her and pulls her in close. And then she's like, Oh, well that's weird. And then they kiss and it's like, no, it's fucking really weird for somebody to grab you with a spider web when you're 10 feet away from them and pull you over to them. You ask follow-up questions when that happens. If you expect me to enjoy this moment, don't have that character be so dumb that she thinks, no, oh, that's just a thing guys do. You know, I guess I don't understand boys. They have spider webs that shoot their wrists and pull me over to them against my will. By the way, 
also super creepy how he behaves towards her throughout the movie I, by forcing her to kiss him against his will and taking pictures of her when she's not paying attention. I, I in general, dislike the fact that the way he plays the character with that insufferable, cute shyness, because it comes off as a parody of that. Like, it's so yeah, bad. And I don't. It's not the actor's fault. I want to make it really clear because everyone's talking about how much they love Andrew Garfield right now. And you're right, too. He's a good actor. It's the movie. It's the way it's written and it's the way it's filmed. Like you can't and the way it's edited together where he's like he's a completely different character in different scenes. That's not on the actor. That's on the, the director and the editor. And on the people who at the top who obviously just didn't give a shit about making a good movie. You know, there's a scene in this movie where he gets shot and he's like limping along. And then all of a sudden, these crane operators decide to set up the crane so he can swing along to get to a certain location. But he didn't coordinate that with them. So, A, how do they even know to do that? It's just a thing they do. It's New York, baby. Yeah, except. Remember when it was done well in the Raimi movie where <laughs> New York citizens just happen to be there because it's a giant bridge where people are all the time. Anyways, but so there's that element of it, but then he swings his way there on this. Okay. And now they've saved the day. They got him there. Okay. That's great. And then as soon as he gets where he's going, the fact that he got shot is dropped. Like he, at some point, if you're going to have, you can have a character who's super powered. He gets shot and it has no impact on him. That's fine. That's perfectly good storytelling line of dialogue, about how he's got super strength. So he doesn't care about getting shot. That's great. Or you can have a character who gets shot and it slows him down and he's hurt and it makes it really hard for him to fight that final villain, but he perseveres and he pushes. That's again, that's good storytelling. You can't have a character who gets shot and it's, really really painful and it's super slowing him down until it's convenient for him to bounce around again and then he bounces around again and then he just goes home to his aunt at the end of the night with a bullet in his leg and (laughs) there's no follow-up questions Uh, that's not how it works like you can't do it that way he's either invincible or he isn't It, it, it being shot slows him down for 10 fucking minutes of the movie then at some point you got to address the fact that he, at the end of the night, there's still a bullet in that leg. <sighs> I didn't like that movie. Interestingly enough, I did buy them after uh, no way home came out. Cause they were on sale for like know, $5 it's, a piece. It's, it's your fucking fault. That I had to watch it. Cause that's where my kid found it was on you ah. <laughs> movies anywhere. <laughs> Cause I showed them the other two. Cause they're on Netflix here. I don't know about down there, but I showed them the Tom Holland ones on Netflix. And then the next, like, like it was like Friday. We watched one Saturday. We watched the other. And then Sunday morning, he's like, dad, I don't want to watch more Spider-Man. And I'm like, there is no more Spider-Man. <laughs> they never <laughs> made another all? Spider-Man movie, son. Like, You're a liar, dad. Like I'm like, cause he's seen all the Raimi ones at this point and he's seen like all the Holland ones. And it's like, I guess this is what's left. So, and I definitely want to sit down with him and watch no way home when it becomes available yeah. because I be want to see, yeah, like the look on a five-year-old's face when there are three Spider-Man on screen is going to be amazing. I just know it. Although you're going to have to explain to him how they're not, 
I'm assuming he thinks they're all the same Spider-Man. No, no, we've talked about this. Okay, so you've explained it to him that they're... they're Yeah, I've explained to him that... Like, I had to explain the concept of rebooting cinematic universes to a five-year-old, yes. (laughs) Because he's my five-year-old. It's not a normal kid. He's not like any other kid. I'm like, no, no, no. These movies are not set together. You're going to pay attention. You're not going to fucking school or somebody's just going to tell you they're all the same Spider-Man. Oh, no, like, when, like, because... One of his friends came over and said something about because when he he watched Spider-Man three, when he had one of his friends over and they said something about how they'd watched Venom. So I like paused the movie. (laughs) I gave him a lecture about how these are different Venoms. (laughs) And I think they just wanted me to go upstairs and wash the dishes and let them enjoy their movie. But I wasn't about to let that happen. That's why I'm glad I don't have kids. I would get so frustrated over dumb shit like that. It's... Luckily, like my kid, I got like, you know, you get your hooks in them early. So yeah. he like when I start lecturing him about the concept of cinematic universes and how these movies aren't connected, but these movies are. He like follows it and just or he humors me, whatever he's doing. I'm not sure which one, but <laughs> like, all right, dad's on his rants again. Just wait it out and then he'll let me watch the rest of this movie. Because like when my nephews are like, oh, did you watch Venom? And I'm like, I have to sigh and then be like, no. I'm not going to watch Venom because there's no tie into Spider-Man. It's bullshit. Well, but then I went and saw No Way Home and there was like, it doesn't matter. <laughs> it's not the same thing. You don't understand. Nope. No, but when they're your kids, you can instill important values in them at a young age. No. So. Anyways. <laughs> we may have gone on a tangent there. this is this is lou ferrigno he's a deaf bodybuilder love him you little bastard oh i i really want to sit and watch one of those lou ferrigno hulk movies with my kid just to watch his face when he's like why is the hulk like three inches taller when he's the yes. hulk and guess what, guess what giant... we got in the shoot there doug oh my oh, well i know yeah. You fucked it up, time. though. No, it's not a perfect time. Because it's my turn to pick the movies, and I'm not settling in for a month only for no movies. <laughs> That's <sighs> ableism. You just hate him because he's deaf. What? No, I don't. Not at all. Because I would totally watch all those Hulk movies. I just don't want to watch through all the Hercules movies. <laughs> I should randomly pick like the middle of that month that you've got set aside just to piss you off. <laughs> just yank a week out of it. <laughs> We're doing Death of the Incredible Hulk and Hercules 3 or whatever the fuck. <laughs> You're like, you son of a bitch. <laughs> so when are you guys watching uh, Amazing Spider-Man 2? Uh, he Technically, we've watched it before. Mm-hmm. He was like two and he was sick and he just curled up on the couch with his, like, his tablet and watched it on that. And I had no choice but to because he was sitting on me. Man. But I don't you, know if he remembers think that it. first one's bad. Yeah, it's going to be tough to explain that second one to him when he's like, Dad, are all these guys coming back in the next movie? And I'm like, no, none of them are. There is no next movie. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's possible that in 10 years that guy, that Spider-Man will be back for some reason. But <laughs> none of these villains. Well, that's not true. Electro's so, coming back. Yeah, not really, though. Not that Electro. 
Yes. <laughs> they just, they just, I mean, we could get into a whole debate about whether that's even the Electro from those movies or whether it's a completely different Electro from a completely different timeline. I'm not sure. <laughs> well, before we do, did you watch anything else? I did. Um, so, right. speaking of cinematic universes, I dove into the Candyman cinematic universe by watching the two that are supposedly good. Um, oh. Rewatched the. I don't like that, uh, that tone already. That was that tone is not indicative of my future comments. I apologize for wording it that way. All right. Um, so I rewatched the '92 movie, which I I don't think I've seen since like the '90s, at least. Like yeah. it's been a long time, and. God damn, it holds up real well. It is creepy, and the characters are... I mean, there's... You got to get your head around those early 90s fashions, and there's the weird subplot where the main character's husband is cheating on her in the background for reasons that I, I don't understand why are in this movie. <laughs> like, it's just not relevant. Um, but, like, yeah, the whole thing of her going into that, like, tenement or whatever projects whatever you guys call where you put your poor people mm. um and like when she like even the first time when she goes in and she crawls through that like that hole in the wall and goes into the next apartment and she's looking around and there's that painting in the background which is like tony todd's face where his mouth is like the hole that she just crawled through and you're oh, like yeah. god damn it's creepy as shit they really pull it off um and then when they get into like introducing the characters and it's like it, they do a really good job of it. it's like this weird surrealistic, like I hate to say this, but it's like, it's like this white person wanders into this like weird universe, which is a black neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, I don't mean that in a negative way. I'm just saying that's how it's portrayed in the film. But then when she meets an actual person and goes into her apartment and the apartment is not only is it, like a reasonable, rational person's apartment that just looks normal inside once you're in the door, but it's the same layout as her apartment back at her building. Like there's something very interesting about that. Um, the whole idea that like, this is almost a mirror dimension of her universe. And that eventually because she plays too close to the flame, she kind of brings the neg the horror of this universe back to her real world, which is again, like symbolically it's the same, like exact layout of apartment and stuff. It's just been made to look prettier. Uh, I love all that. I think, yeah, I mean, Tony Todd's performance is obviously excellent, but I think what what surprised me the most watching it was not like, I, I, I expected to enjoy Tony Todd stabbing people like I, I knew. I know I like that, but <laughs> all the stuff leading up to it where it's like, Oh, we're wandering into these like projects and we're following this girl. Who's like doing a study on urban legends. You know what I mean? And I'm like, okay, very cliched in some ways, but also done really well. So then the 1992 Candyman movie really holds up. And I, I don't know if you guys remember like a few months ago, I watched one of the sequels and I think I, I think I came on here and said something to the effect of "Holy shit, what a waste of my time!" <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't remember my exact words, but that's what I was getting across. And it really just goes to the 
the difference between good filmmaking and bad filmmaking isn't necessarily plot because the plot of all the sequels to Candyman are the same as, or the, sorry, the nineties sequels to Candyman are the same as the plot of this one. It's, Mm. Oh, we're going to, we're going to wander into this weird world. We're going to accidentally call forward this evil being and he's going to torment our lead character. And then they're going to get framed for the murders. Okay, great. But, uh, when you, when you do it right, it really works. So I was super happy that I rewatched Candyman. Yeah. That first one's still really good. Yeah. I, again, I, I regret now not watching it. I think maybe, um, and I didn't rewatch it a lot because it came out in 92. I was still in like slasher mode mm-hmm. and I expected this to be more of a slasher and it's not as much as there is some obvious connections between Candyman and Freddy Krueger, <laughs> but he doesn't, he never delves into full slasher territory. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. But I, I, yeah, I don't know. Super happy. I watched that. Um, and <laughs> it turns out it's a really good thing you watch that. Continue. And but from 2021, um, which I thought was a reboot going in, turns out sequel, direct sequel to that <laughs> movie that I just talked about. Um, and thank God I watched like. I will say this, I don't usually criticize the marketing of a movie it's not usually what i like to talk about but Mm -hmm. the marketing of Candyman implied that it was a reboot and i believe the objective was to surprise people with like aha it's actually a sequel however very early in the 2021 movie they retell the story of the 92 movie and they tell it wrong so (laughs) if you went into the 2021 movie having not recently seen the 92 movie, you would believe the version of the of events that they tell you in this movie. Why wouldn't you? So what was, and, what was different from what they told and what actually happened? Ah, uh, it's I'm trying to think of exactly what the details were, but it's, well, basically they tell the neighborhood's version of it where the white lady went crazy, killed some people and then tried to burn the baby and that the the people of the neighborhood saved the baby and then killed her instead of what actually but, happened with her climbing into the fire, saving the baby and dying. Right. But the but it's more the implication that that's the neighborhood version that that where my issue comes where part of the whole plot of the 2021 movie is that the neighborhood knows that's not what happened. <laughs> The neighborhood doesn't think that that's the version of events, right? Well, like, but they might now. That's the whole thing. Yeah. It, it's kind of a commentary on how myths are created and how they get sort of distorted over time. I guess, but. Sure. I, I guess it's more <laughs> the way the stories. I guess it's maybe more. Maybe my complaint is more. Maybe it is partially the way the story is being told, which is that it's implied in this movie. That that's the truth. And I don't think it's told in a way where it's like, well, this is how we remember it. It's told in a way where this is what happened. And it's not what happened. As an audience, we would know that that's not what happened if we rewatched 92 first. Right. But it's it's kind of supposed to, in addition, so in addition to the myth-making thing, it's intentionally untrue. 
Yeah. Because they, you find out later that they changed the story to protect the identity of the kid, basically. Right. So, so that they could make him vanish. But you can... I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I guess maybe I would feel differently about this if I hadn't just rewatched the 92 film and I wasn't immediately recognizing that story as being incorrect. But it bothered me that this movie was like telling, retelling the story of the original in a way where it was misleading us and making us think that the original movie was wrong somehow. I don't know. It was an issue for me. All right. Most of the movie is extremely well made. I think the um, like the atmosphere holds up. Mm-hmm. I think the the acting's all good. I think you know er, really everything about this movie as a standalone movie is well made. Um, my so my one issue with it, which it's kind of two issues. One is. I'm trying to think of which issue to tackle first because it's I don't know. If, um, I'm trying to figure. Okay, I'll just say this flat out: the the wokeness of this film, the the messaging, was way over the top, plain and simple. And we've talked about this before, where I feel very strongly that if you want to get a message across in your movies, you're better off to do it in a subtle manner rather than have it like don't hit people over the head with it. And this movie hits everyone over the head with it. Um, And one of the ways in which they do that is by implying that Candyman isn't just the Candyman from the original movie. It's also all these other people who have been oppressed over the years and been gunned down by police unfairly and other things. Right. And it's. I don't dislike the message. I think it's a good message it's it's letting the it's reminding the audience that like yeah like the original Candyman was this guy born out of like slavery in this past time but this type of oppression still exists because things are still happening and that's a good message it's it's a positive message i'm not sure how comfortable i am with the idea of them changing the mythology that's sort of one thing mm-hmm. but the secondary thing is just that i think it's too on the nose and it's too in your face and it's like tell me a a, a scary story about a guy with a hook for a hand and then add a message into it rather than giving me your message and then adding a scary guy with a hook into it if that makes sense Mm -hmm. I feel like they didn't necessarily change the mythology they just added to it Uh, well uh, that's semantics at some point the implication in the first movie. I mean, it's is not like a retcon. It's not like in in the first movie, the Candyman is this guy, and we get his backstory and what led to him becoming this mythological creature who, if you say his name five times, comes back. In the new movie, Candyman is more of an idea, and it's that guy, but it's also other people who have been through a similar thing over the years. Right. Mm-hmm. That's that's retconning. That's which it's not done poorly and I don't hate it. I just think it's. 
I don't know. I always kind of looked at it that uh, the only reason Helen saw the Tony Todd version in the first movie is because she was specifically like um, studying about him, like looking up kind of where that story came from and stuff. Okay, and you it, felt that in 1992 when you watched that movie, or you felt that in 2021 after you? Well, seen I feel it in 2021, but I'm just saying, like, I feel like there is a reasoning for the narrow scope of it in the 90s, and when they open it up I, in this one, like, I can understand it. I'm not saying again. I'm not saying it's terrible. I'm no, not, like, yeah, I, I agree. Over, over, overall, I'm very positive on the movie. Mm. I'm just saying it's definitely retconning. It's definitely changing the mythology, which again, like lots of horror movie sequels do this. Uh, I just, I'm not hundred percent sure how I feel about it. Right. Um, What's some stuff you like? And Again, I liked, I liked the atmosphere. I liked the performance. Um, that lead mm. dude, the artist guy, yeah, I really good. felt like, he was really solid. I don't know any of their names because I don't know anybody's name in anything anymore. <laughs> racist. Um, it's not racist. <laughs> there's plenty of white people whose names I don't know. Um, yeah, so there's definitely that element of it that I really liked. I actually like um, the story of like the the new Candyman that they tell about, which is just a guy with a hook that like mm. gave out candy. I like that story, even though I have my questions about mixing all the mythology and I'm talking about everything I've said negative. I think it's all really well done. I think is what it comes mm. down to. Um, I think it, it avoids some of the weird stuff that the 92 movie got into about like, do we need cheating girlfriends and stuff going on in the background? Like that doesn't help. I don't <laughs> think. And they, they kind of stayed away from that. We saw, we did see some impacts in this, the artist guy, his like personal life, but it, it all stemmed from the main storyline rather than being a side story on its own. So I thought they handled that really well. Um, yeah, I don't know. Mostly, I just, mostly it was the atmosphere and the performances, which I think are key to a movie like this because it's not like we're getting big over the top kills the way you would want in a slasher movie. It's not like there's huge plot twists. Um, like the special, like I guess, huge spoiler alert, but like the special effect when they put Tony Todd's face in at the end, mm -hmm. I thought was really well done, but it's not exactly shocking once we've mm -hmm. gotten the storyline play out to this point of us understanding that this is a sequel. Um, yeah, I knew he was supposed to be in it, so I pretty much spent the entire movie just like, all right, where is he? Where is he? When's he going to show up? But then he's literally the last thing you see in the movie. I'm like, oh, okay, there he is. Yeah. Well, because I'd heard he had a cameo. And so I thought, okay, this is a reboot. But you hire the original actor and he's going to. And then I kind of forgot about it while I was watching the movie. And I just figured, okay, he's, I don't know, he's going to tear the guy's movie ticket when he goes to a theater or something. It doesn't really matter, right? <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, I wasn't concerned about it when I'd heard that it was a cameo. And so. So I don't know. It's yeah. Overall, I liked it. Um, I think it's too. I am Canadian. I'll remind people who are listening to this. And <laughs> anytime you have a movie that tackles race relations, I think the racial issues in the U.S. are unique. Um, 
not saying that we have racial harmony in the rest of the world. Just saying it's it's a different scenario in your country than it seems to be everywhere else. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I guess it's different everywhere you go. And these movies focus very much on the American issues. And so maybe I'm maybe I'm not qualified to watch this movie from that perspective. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't I feel like. I don't I It's hard for me to even explain, but it's just the idea of like this whole thing, this whole Candyman myth stems from this guy who was like the son of a slave. And it's like, well, we don't, I don't have a history to build off of here. I don't know exactly how to view things that way. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. They would just need to be like a native Canadian. Yeah. Yeah. Like if you, you could tell a story here about something similar, but with a Canadian twist then I might understand it better. And maybe that or who's makes... the who's the group of people whose name starts with an A in Canada that there was a whole town of them that basically got killed. Canada, Canada just got some fucked up once. Is that, is that, oh, that every every country does? I think you're thinking the Acadians. Maybe is that? And then they, I think they sort of moved south and became joined up with the French in your southern areas, which is like in. Cajun? Uh, Louisiana and then are yeah. yeah like Acadians I think and Cajuns are sort of the same thing I don't really understand that history plus those were East Coast Canadians that did that Noah I don't accept responsibility for that because I'm more <laughs> of a central Canadian <laughs> I'm a different I'm a different white person <laughs> <laughs> you know either way I wasn't alive when it was ha- when it happened so um but you know um I don't know. I don't know where to go from this. Now we're into race relation discussions. <laughs> so well, I'm, just, I'm just saying, I, I I get what you're saying about America, but I I think there's an analog everywhere. Uh, yeah, I'm I, again. I, I was trying to make that point very clear. I'm not suggesting that every other country is somehow innocent and your country is guilty. I'm just saying it's different in different places, and. Like specifically you guys too, being from the area, like I know these movies are set in and around Chicago and it's like, well, I don't like you guys probably know these neighborhoods, I'm assuming, mm-hmm. right? Like it's yeah. like they seem like Well, they don't they don't exist and, anymore. Although well, they address that in the movie. Yeah. Yeah, they address that in the twenty twenty one film and even the whole thing of like like gentrification is like I totally understand. Like gentrification is one of those issues where I like, I totally get the idea that if you own property in an area, you want them to clean up that area and drive your property values up. Especially if you're like an investor, I get that. I also totally understand how if you live in an area and it suddenly becomes unaffordable for you to live there and you think of it as your home, that that must feel really shitty. And I don't know what to do with that other than to say, well, it's not happening to me, so I I don't really have strong opinions one way or the other. Like I, I understand both perspectives on that issue, right? Um, it's very strange, and it's it's hard. And I think the movie does kind of address that in some ways, where it kind of says like, "Look how much this neighborhood's been cleaned up," and then other people are like, "Yeah, you chased us out of here." That's what you call cleaning a neighborhood up is like chasing us out of here instead of like maybe finding a better way to bring us up with the neighborhood. Is there anything there? And then everybody kind of just 
I don't know. It's it's a complicated issue that we probably shouldn't be talking about on the podcast, but <laughs> shitty Linda Blair movies. But it's. But I feel I, like I that think is, movie, is one of the good things of the new Candyman movie is they do bring a lot of this stuff up. Whereas in the original one, they brought some of the stuff up, but then the lead still had to be a white female dealing with it, like looking from the outside in, like, ooh, isn't this neighborhood weird? Isn't this mythology weird? And I like in yeah, this one, right. they, they could still bring that up, but tell it from a different perspective. You're of, right. By by yeah. having the characters be, um, I don't even know, like other than to use just to say they're black people, but it's not just that they're mm-hmm. black people. It's people who are from a certain neighborhood. And there's, it's weird because it's people like, yeah, they lived experience. Yes. There's a good way to word it. Mm-hmm. Congratulations. Noah. you're very woke. Um, I fucking I but, hate that term so goddamn much. <laughs> I know you, I know you do. Why do you think I said it? Um, but, but like my point is, by having the characters be people with lived experience, <laughs> is that they can tell the story from a different perspective and provide that insight. Which I think you're right, no, or Brian. It was weird that the first movie was about this white person going into this weird black neighborhood and movie i don't think you can retell that story without without it being that without it being an outsider coming in however Uh, it's interesting to see it told from a different perspective you broke up so i didn't hear all that oh you just said it was was weird the first one had the white woman come in but it was good yeah and then you broke up it was i guess what it, it wasn't so much it was good what i was saying is that it was it was the the basis of that story was an outsider coming in. So it was good to have the same kind of story told from a different perspective where it's not an outsider coming in. Yeah. It's all told within the community kind of thing, hmm. which is a different perspective, even though you're kind of retelling the same story. Yeah, which I agree with. It was one of my favorite There's, parts about it. Yeah, I was going to say, I think the only thing I disagree with you on is on the strength of messaging that I I think there's two good ways to do messaging. You can do it, you know, the the kind of subtle way and all that kind of stuff. And I think the other good way to do it is sledgehammer style. And just and just come at you with it. The the one I don't like, I don't like navel gazing smarmy look at how clever I am messaging and I don't think it does that no I agree this one I think this movie does the sledgehammer approach which I'm not the biggest fan of mm-hmm. I, this one I, didn't I bother think... me the uh since I just wrote a video on it that hasn't come out yet the sledgehammer approach of the new black Christmas I absolutely fucking hate it right well, yeah, the sledgehammer approach of the Black Christmas trailers was enough to convince me that that movie is not for me, which I think is, I guess, the point I'm making, which is that if if I was someone who needed the messages that are in Candyman 2021, I probably wouldn't watch the movie. Mm-hmm. I went into it knowing, kind of having an idea of what some of the messaging was going to be and knowing I support those messages and therefore was willing to be hit over the head with them. But I, 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 if you, if you're trying to convince people, 
I don't think this movie convinces anyone. I think this movie markets itself to people who are already convinced. That's only my point. That's really the point I was trying to make when I brought this up. I'd agree with that, but I also, yeah, I don't think the movie's trying to convince people of anything. Well, then what's the point of having a message in your movie if it's not to convince people? Well, I mean, you can have all sorts of messages without trying to convince people of the message. I just think it's, I don't know. It's very much a, uh, I don't know. It's, 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 I feel like some of the messaging is forcing you to stop and even, even as a person. So I don't think anybody who listens to this podcast would be surprised that I am a far left leaning person. And even, Oh my God. Yeah. Caught off guard. Right. But even, even for me, I tend to be one of those people who, occasionally goes, ah, oh, you know, they're being all violent and all this kind of stuff. And you need to tone that down. But like the movie points out the fact that, well, maybe that's not what's needed right now. <laughs> like maybe, you know what I mean? You can't, you can't shit on people forever and then expect everybody to just peaceably go, oh yeah, we're well adjusted, you know? I don't know. Oh, yeah. I, and I, again, I agree. I agree that the movie has that message in it. And I agree that I agree with the message. I just also think that you have to find a way to say it that will convince people who don't already agree going in. Maybe. And I don't. I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't feel like I, I don't feel like that's the place of a horror movie. I think that's the place of a documentary. If it's not to convince people like. Because then it, it approaches that navel-gazing territory that you were talking about. If we're just saying things and we're intentionally saying them in a way that the only people who will watch this are people who already agree with me, then... Well, no, but is, the, the navel-gazing's more the look at how clever I am for doing this. And once again, I don't think they're doing that. No, I, I mean, I don't think they're... I mean, I, mean, I, I don't think it, it's... I mean, the argument we're basically saying is that uh, Nightmare on Elm Street has the message that pedophiles are bad. It's like, I don't I don't think it's trying to convince anybody that pedophiles are bad. And I think that if a pedophile watched that movie, they'd be like, what the fuck? I'm not some burned faced psycho. This is bullshit. (laughs) Like, once again, I don't you can have a movie that has themes and tonality and messaging that isn't a a a persuasive thesis like that art doesn't have to be that sure i guess you can i just i'm not sure i understand the point i would also casually point out that technically in the movie freddy krueger is a child murderer and not a pedophile they edited the pedophile stuff out to help them avoid their uh backlash yeah, it's true, but five pretty uh, pretty solidly puts it right back in. Sure, five, if you want to count five. At this point, we might be arguing for argument's sake. I'm not sure anymore. <laughs> but how about this? I mean, I'm not really when... I'm not really arguing with you. I just I just see it in a different way. Sure. How about when the they're discussing gentrification in the movie 
And somebody says, like, aren't artists why gentrification happens? Because you go looking for a cheap place to live so you can do your art. And then by being artists in the neighborhood, you inherently bring up the value and cause the gentrification. And I'm like, that's not entirely untrue. Kind of a dickhead thing to say. But I'm like, oh, that, that moment where I'm just like, well, that's that's just them pointing out how complicated the world is in some lights. It's like, that's interesting. <laughs> like, Cause you've seen anybody who lives in a big city has seen it. And I don't even live in a big city and I've seen it where it's like, you've got a crappy neighborhood and it gets taken over by the hipsters looking for a cheap place to live where they can live their hipster lifestyle. And then they turn it into the cool neighborhood. And then because it's the cool neighborhood, property values go up and people start moving in and fixing up the houses and it causes it to not be the cool neighborhood anymore. Yeah. And it becomes a vicious cycle. And it's like, that's a good point. Oh, but it's, it's, also lit- like- it's literally happening in Peoria right now. Is it? Okay. We had like a big warehouse district and a bunch of those warehouses like don't like they were just sitting empty for decades. Yeah. And now somebody's come along and bought a lot of them up and has turned them into like lofts and stuff. And as soon as mm-hmm. they did that, all of like the trendy restaurants moved into that area. There's one of yeah. those like uh, axe throwing places, you know. Axe throwing oh, craft beers. Craft beers, yep. Yeah. All that stuff. And now uh, all there's like uh, artist galleries and all kinds of stuff opening up in that area. So yeah, and it's it's literally where I work. When I and that building's been there for over twenty years. So mm-hmm. for a long time, it was. Oh man, sometimes I get worried going to work. This neighborhood's kind of shitty. And now it's like you go right down the street. It's like, oh look, it's a trendy barber shop where the barber has like a super long lumberjack beard and you know one of those fancy yep. like rockabilly haircuts. And it's literally across the street from yep. me now. And then eventually. Eventually what will happen is people will be willing to pay that guy extra money to cut their hair because mm-hmm. he's the cool hip barber. And then people, mm-hmm. normal human beings who live in the neighborhood now won't be able to afford those haircuts. But what are you going to ask that guy to do? Yep. Do the cheaper haircuts or he's going to do the more expensive haircuts. He's going to, he's a barber. That's what he does. Right. So. <laughs> and then uh, the city council, because that area had, we used to have a 4 a.m. Uh, bar, like, cutoffs in Peoria. Okay. And there was a couple of like CD bars in that area. And now the, the uh, city council is trying to, since there are people moving into those lofts are trying to say, well, we don't need like drunk people roaming around the streets at 4am in that neighborhood anymore. Mm-hmm. So now they're getting the times cut back to like 1am. And that pretty much cuts off a lot of the clientele from these seedy bars. So they're essentially trying to just run them out of the neighborhood. So it's, it's, exactly. I'm l- literally watching it happen like every day. Yeah. And it's, uh, again, I'm not coming down on one side or the other. I'm saying it's an interesting discussion of like, yeah. if you owned that building and it was sitting empty and now you own a bunch of lofts that are being rented out at whatever a month and full of hipsters who are going to like, you know, now you can charge extra because on the ground floor of your building, you've also put in some businesses that are all going to make a ton of money and you can charge them all extra rent because the hipsters upstairs are coming down to get their beards trimmed or whatever. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I can't blame anyone. I can't blame the people who live in the neighborhood who are upset 
that they're being chased out. I also can't blame the people who like just own a building and just want to figure out a way to rent it out. Like that's what you do. That's why you own it. I don't, it's, it's a weird vicious cycle that exists in our society. And I, there's no answer to it. I don't think. Mm -hmm. Luckily there's not, it's not, um, as bad as it could be, I guess, because since they're a warehouse district, there wasn't a lot of people living down there. Yeah. So at least they're not also, chasing no people one out of the really homes, wants so. to live in Peoria. But yeah, that's also true. I don't even want to live in Peoria, but <laughs> I don't have a choice. I've never been there. Obviously, I'm just bad mouthing at a random at this point. But no, you're correct. <laughs> well, it sounds like it's getting cooler. <laughs> Trust me, it's a cool neighborhood. I take advantage of it. I go eat at the restaurants and. We've gone to do the axe throwing and shit, so it's not like I'm like, oh, this is terrible. I'm like, oh, this is pretty awesome. But considering what we're talking <laughs> as, about, as a like, beard yeah. as a bearded hipster, I definitely want to come there and see if you try <laughs> these new craft beers that Noah's making fun of. <laughs> but I may or may not be drinking a craft beer as we record this podcast, but that's irrelevant. <laughs> I love here's here's the thing. I love small batch craft beer and all that kind of stuff. I just also hate all the other douches that like it. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, man. That's my response. Fuck you. I'm not I'm not necessarily saying you. I'm talking about the fucking neckbeards and shit going to those fucking craft brew bars and sitting around and paying fucking $35 for a beer and sniffing each other's asses. That type of shit just does not yeah, interest me. Yeah, those are my, those are my people. I don't appreciate you bad mouthing us. Shave that neck beard. <laughs> uh, well, I may, I may or may not be like rotating between regular cervezas and dark cervezas as we record this podcast. So. <laughs> that might be why I had to leave in between our our, our break there. Well, we've gone from Candyman to craft beers. Do you have anything else you watched, Doug? Uh, no, that was it. Uh, I, mean, I guess we're doing Boba Fett discussion later? or Yeah, I assume so. All right. Uh, well, I only watched two things, and I can't really talk about them. Um, because uh, the new Dexter just ended. Okay, but I don't want any spoilers, but I want to know. I'm... My plan when Dexter started back up mm-hmm. was to get the streaming service for a month and watch all of Dexter. Mm-hmm. I would Based say on the reactions to the finale, I'm I would debating say, whether that's a good idea. I would say it's worth it. I do feel so like it's it was not as season. bad as people are implying. I don't think it was bad. Okay. okay. So I think it's worth a watch. I, People are very upset about it, but I can't find out why without spoiling it. So I have chosen to just, <laughs> I was waiting to see what you said, basically. Yeah. I would say it's worth it. Even okay. if you only enjoy half the season, I would still think it's worth it. Because, I mean, you get more Dexter. And it's at least Dexter from, like, Dexter season three good. It obviously doesn't reach the height of Dexter season four. But it's still oh, Dexter season three. Fair. Still Dexter season okay. three, which is still pretty good. Yeah, Jimmy Smith's burying bodies on top of one another. Good. Okay, I can yeah. look at that. Yeah, it's not Dexter season five bad. Five wasn't that bad. I could live with five, to be honest. Yeah, it was the girl, girls in the barrels. Isn't that what, what that was season five, right? 
Leah Styles. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. So I would say give it a watch. It's worth it. All right. I'm going to get around to it one of these days. All right. Ten it involves downloading a whole app, so <laughs> we'll see how long that takes. Yeah, it's only 10 episodes, so I mean, you can knock through it in a weekend, probably. That's good. Whew. Bless you. Thank you. Uh, then the other thing is, yesterday me and Amanda binged all the way through Cobra Kai. Nice. Um, I guess we don't have to get too far into it, but... I will say, as per usual, what I say every season, this show is absolutely fucking ridiculous. <laughs> and somehow, you just love every second of it. It's it's so weird how it keeps working, isn't it? Yeah. I, I, I really I, thought I this was the, supposed to be the last season, and then apparently I was completely no. wrong. They're, so apparently five is already greenlit but the writers are working on six as we speak to try to get it greenlit. So, yeah, I kind of hope they just stop. I need them to pick a season and bring it to an end <laughs> so that I can be happy but and have a complete it doesn't end until Hillary Swank shows up. I was going to say, cause if it ends basically the way they keep ending every season, if any of these seasons is the end, I'm going to flip a fucking table and be like, <laughs> oh, you guys did it again. You motherfuckers. Oh, oh yeah. Uh, they need to, they need to end it properly. I agree, but I'm not sure that they need to, as long as they keep getting the new season greenlit before the current season ends, I'm kind of okay with them just making it up as they go. Because it's all working out. And I'm like, I'm down at this point. I'm down for like Cobra Kai, the next generation where we bring in a, just bring in a new batch of kids and we just start retelling the stories, but with a new batch of children <laughs> who are all being trained. There was already some this season. I'm just, they're like lining up, I, I guess, minor spoiler at the all Valley tournament. All the teams are lining up yep. and there's like kids on like the Miyagi Do, And I'm like, who the fuck is that kid? I've never seen him this entire show. <laughs> That's just the next kids. That's, no, it's fine. How in the fuck did they do well enough to get invited to the tournament? That doesn't make any sense. Well, there's age divisions and weight classes. So when you divide so. it all up and now they're with the gender division, with the major decision to divide it up into a men's woman and men's division and a girl's division. Like it's <laughs> fuck, dude, this will change everything. I like that they had just opened that <laughs> that meeting towards the end of the season with like the guys just like, all right, well, it's our grand tradition to start discussing the new All Valley Tournament. Cut to them all just arguing, and it turns out it's just over the color of the mats, like they're screaming at each other. Oh, I loved it. I loved it. What about when they're like, all of a sudden somebody goes, uh, we just we're all in charge of this tournament where we promote boys to punch girls in the face. Are we worried that's going to become problematic? <laughs> if they knew the true meaning of martial arts, they would know that no, this is not problematic. It's yeah, but it was really good. I was really enjoying it. I was going to say, I kind of like a bunch of the character resolutions this season. Mm-hmm. Although they did do uh, I'm kind of getting sick of them rehashing the same 
Johnny and Daniel can't get along. Yeah, I get it. I feel like they should just not get along. Like, that should just be the end of it. Don't, like, every season come up with, like, well, nope, we're really going to work together this time. It should just be, nah, we just don't get along. And that's that's how it's going to be. See, I actually kind of like the friend angle where they're kind of starting to like each other and realize that they both have things of value, you know. Yeah, but you don't need to, like, keep swapping it back and forth like three times every season. True. Yeah, but I don't know. Like I said, fucking ridiculous. Like, every season, I'm just like, how does this look to everybody outside of the people that are on this show? Like, I just don't... I'm just baffled by how ridiculous everything is and how serious everybody takes it. And I just want to be some kid at that school that's just like, how about you just stop going to the karate dojo and then all your problems will be solved. If you're feuding with these other people at a rival karate dojo, just be like, this is not worth it. I'm going to not go to the karate dojo anymore. And then your, your, your problems are over. Yeah, it's due to, due to new ordinances. Like, we had to remove everything from the building that could be used as a weapon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So there's this YouTube channel I follow called like some more news that does like political commentary. And they recently put out an episode called like some more Marvel news where it's just for whatever reason, instead of doing real news, they just did an hour long video on what would it be like if you were the newsman in the Marvel (laughs) cinematic universe. (laughs) And it's like the whole time is like, there's a spaceship over New York. Now we don't know in unrelated news. There was one kid on a school bus that on a field trip that just disappeared and no one knows where he went. (laughs) And it's like, like they're just doing that. And I feel like that's what the news would be like in Cobra Kai. It'd just be (laughs) like, yeah, like, there's all these reports of a bunch of teenagers invading a house and a giant fight breaking out, <laughs> but apparently no one called the cops. So it doesn't matter anymore. I, I, what do we do with this? Like, <laughs> uh, one of my favorite things though, was that, uh, Terry silver shows up, which is not a big surprise. It's in all the trailers. Yeah. And he's having that conversation with crease where crease is trying to talk him into coming back. And he like I think you pointed out where at some point he literally just says, "I spent a summer terrorizing a high school kid." What the fuck? Yeah, I was unwell. <laughs> yeah, and then he he relates that his behavior was so bad because he was hopped up on cocaine, and then they cut to like four different shots of him, and you're like, "That dude was on cocaine." It's <laughs> just like screaming and yelling and smiling the whole time and just being crazy. And it's just like, yeah, that dude was on fucking cocaine. He's right. To be fair, it was like late 80s. Maybe it was 1990 (laughs) when that happened. A lot of people on cocaine. You can't blame everyone for that. Especially when you're rich like he was. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, the show's completely ridiculous. But even, even Amanda, who sometimes doesn't put up with that kind of nonsense... Still, will tell people she's like this show is so dumb, but it's like the best show ever. Like you just want to keep watching it. 
Which is exactly what we did. It's, Ten episodes in one day. It's it's important to know the difference between a show that's dumb and knows it's dumb, mm-hmm. or dumb and doesn't know it's dumb. And this one definitely knows it's dumb. Yeah. It's just amazing. Like, I can't... I would just love, like, a time machine to go back even to, like, the year 2000 and talk to Ralph Macchio and be like, you know what? There's going to be a really successful TV show that you're going to be one of the leads on about how ridiculous the Karate Kid series was. But we're still going to totally play it straight, even though you acknowledge that it's kind of crazy. And he's like, well, that sounds terrible. Like, no, no, it's gone for four seasons so far. It is very popular. He's like, well, that's ridiculous. I'm like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that it's ridiculous. The reason you, it's great is because it's ridiculous. Are you guys okay? Oh, they run rival karate dojos. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's just like, all right, whatever. Uh, mm, so good. And now the sad wait for another like year and a half before the next season comes out. I know, but I think it works perfectly. I think they, the people making this show know how to make it in a way where it's like at the end of every episode, I want to click next, but mm-hmm. at the end of the 10, I'm like, yeah, I'm good for a year and a half. Like I, <laughs> it, it, if, if this show came out every month, I would not want to watch 10 episodes every month. If it came out week to week, I would get distracted and not tune in week to week. Mm-hmm. They've nailed it. They know exactly. They know exactly what they're doing when it comes to binging television. They've, they've nailed it. God damn it. Perfect fucking show. Here's a brief glimpse of some of the truly fine pictures we've scheduled in the near future. All right, Doug, did you decide what we're doing next week? Oh, yeah. Did I? I don't know, did you? Um, I didn't. I am now. How about <laughs> first, bl- first Blood and Missing in Action? Oh, perfect. Which uh, One of those is about like a guy with PTSD, and the other one is Chuck Norris kicking people in the face. So <laughs> it's obviously a... A very well thought out theme for next week. <laughs> uh, it's kind of perfect after I was just talking about the ridiculousness of uh, uh, Cobra Kai. Uh, well, fantastic. Next week will be Rambo and then Chuck Norris. Doesn't matter no, what Chuck Norris' character's for- name. It's not Rambo. It's First Blood. There's a well, very big difference. I'm saying John Rambo. And Chuck Norris, yes. because we don't care what Chuck Norris's character's name is. He's just Chuck Norris. All right. Do you want to talk Boba Fett? Book of Boba Fett? Yep. How about how about the mad presence of them Wookiee eyebrows? <laughs> and the dude had Wookiee eyebrows? Well, that Wookiee had Wookiee eyebrows by definition. Oh, yeah, yeah. I guess he had so. serious-ass Wookiee eyebrows. For some reason, I thought that you meant the character. The guy that plays Boba Fett had some wicked eyebrows. Oh, no, that Wookiee. The Wookiee yeah. who has no lines and does nothing in the episode. And you're like, yeah, everybody's going to fucking love that guy. <laughs> Everybody loves that Wookiee. Apparently, he's from a comic. You guys know yeah. about this? 
though. I didn't uh, know he was fucking, an established character. Yeah, he's from. Yeah. He's apparently a badass Wookie. Is he a bounty hunter? Yeah, that scar from, in his eye is apparently yeah. from Obi Wan fighting him when he tried to kill Uncle Owen. <laughs> that's what that's what the internet told me, and I'm like, I. <laughs> Been a lot of Star Wars stuff going on over the years, and I don't always understand it. But apparently, he tried to kill Uncle Owen once, and Obi Wan cut his eye. And now he guards giant huts. Good for him. <laughs> yeah, apparently he was in uh, that Darth Vader comic that came out right after Marvel got the Star Wars uh, license from Dark Horse. That. Yeah, so he looks cool. Let's see if he can. Uh, maybe he's like the new Boba Fett. Shows up, doesn't really say anything, looks cool, becomes uh, a fascinating character. Yeah, I accept that. Yeah. I don't see they why brought, that shouldn't be the case. They brought in the two huts, which was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Are they from? Are they established somewhere else that I don't know? Uh, about? I do not know. Uh, I believe they're in the cartoon Clone Wars. Okay. I know it's like. Yeah, I've seen parts of that, and there's always huts running around, but I didn't know if those were known characters or not. Yeah, that's what the video that I watched afterwards that tells me all the Easter eggs said. So, well, seems trustworthy to me. Yeah, I uh, I was watching Clone Wars, and I got distracted and stopped watching after like four seasons, so I hadn't seen them yet, but. Yeah, it's Clone Wars is tough because there's so much of it, and I hear it's all oh, good, but yeah, that's the thing. I've not been like watching some of it and been like, oh my god, this is fucking terrible. But you'll be like, oh shit, I still have like 22 more episodes for season four. Like that's a yeah. lot of fucking content. <laughs> you know, that's, one of the funny, always been my issue. One of the things from this episode that I was talking to one of my friends about. All I've ever wanted from. Uh, Star Wars movie is I've always wanted an actual like uh, full on Jedi story where they follow like some kid going to the temple and happening to like learn everything and then you know growing up and all that and you get the training montage and all that bullshit and never got it Uh, but I've always wanted you know the scene of somebody happening to assemble their lightsaber I never got that but God damn it, Boba Fett putting together that gaffy stick was about as close as I'm ever going to get, I think. And I was like, that was so fucking awesome. I was like, I have no idea why that was just so fucking cool. Watching him whittle a stick into a nub. <laughs> it's, you know what? It was fucking fun to watch. And it's so weird because like they treated it like he was creating an iconic weapon. Mm-hmm. But really, we see him use that weapon in like one or two two episodes of the Mandalorian and then he moves on from it. So <laughs> we don't, we, and we know that because we know that in the current times he's not using it. He's using his back, using his blasters and wearing his armor. So, but this still nailed me. This still sucked me into that whole storyline of him, like befriending the sand people or that. I was like, we, yep, we had a great train robbery this episode. Sure. Why not? It's fantastic. Fucking vision it quest like, nose lizard. Yeah. What did you guys think of the fact that there's like uh, 
he robs people to steal the bikes that he uses to steal train. Like <laughs> was doing robbery after robbery after robbery in this episode. Eh? I can live with that. Yeah, luckily, I mean it's totally a Dexter move. It's all people that deserve it, so it's okay. Yeah, yeah. Apparently, some of the guys that he steals the bikes from are like Luke's friends from a deleted scene from the original Star Wars. <laughs> Again, according to the internet, and I'll give him credit and assume it's true. I'm not. I'm not looking that up to double check it. Just because you want it to be true. Well, I want to go to Toshi Station and get some power converters. Actually, Brian, it's because I uh, I can't look it up because all my DVDs and Blu-rays were destroyed. But thank you for bringing that up. Um, See, I was trying to enjoy myself, and you had to go make it sad. Yeah, that's what I do. Yeah, fair enough. Did you ever see the? Can't blame you. Did you ever see the actual picture of Mark Hamill at the Tashi gas station? No. There's like a gas station somewhere with the name Tashi on it. T-O-S-C-H-E. That's amazing. And he went in and bought, there's like some like uh, things that you can like plug plugs into. Essentially yeah. like a, uh, like for a generator a or something. Yeah. So he's literally standing in front of Tashi Station holding power converters. He's got the biggest That's smile on amazing. his face. I'm going to look for that picture later. <laughs> so that's what I'm doing tomorrow instead of my job. When, <laughs> when I get in trouble for not working tomorrow, I'm blaming you. Well, I mean, I just found the picture, so I'm going to send it to you. So now that'll free you up. Oh, don't. Don't. Don't do that. Yes. Too late. Then what then what will I do tomorrow? <laughs> Maybe to your fucking job. Ah, oh, god damn it. Uh, anything, anything else you liked about this episode? Um I I happen to really like the character development that they keep going with the uh, Boba Fett. Mm-hmm. I was a little nervous. I'm like, you're gonna fill in the backstory for this guy that had two minutes of screen time in the original trilogy or whatever it is. It's like, okay, but they're doing a really good job of establishing this character. That is some combination of noble and brutal that like the way he treats the, the Tuscan Raiders, it is weird because he could walk away at some point, mm-hmm. but he feels a loyalty to them, even though they are technically enslaving him. If that makes sense. Like they captured him and were happy to kill him, but because they let him live, he's not connected to them in a weird way. I like all that. I don't know if I understand it all. Like it's, I don't know how we get from that little kid that picked up his helmet on, uh, after that big battle. And unfortunately his dad's head didn't fall out of it. Which I still wish it would. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but you know, like, I don't know how we got from that to, the guy that shows up in Empire, but I I like the guy that they're developing, and I think they're doing a really good job of making sure that even though he's going to be a crime lord throughout this series, we're still going to be rooting for him, which is a tough thing to pull off sometimes. Like mm-hmm. You talked about like how Dexter just made it so, okay, as long as we only kill bad guys, it's okay. Whoa. And Boba Fett is the exception to that rule where he, like, was trying to kill good guys at some point and we still rooted for him. I, I love the fact that they're attempting to change that 
through the clever use of language by calling them daimos and stuff. So they're like, no, it's it's more like a feudal Japan uh, territorial lord thing than just straight up crime. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And they did have them like it's the subtlety of it sometimes where it's like so the the train was shooting at them, but the train was running spice, which is dealing drugs. So it's okay to go after those people because they're bad guys, right? Like it's it's that the subtle way they do things like that sometimes is very clever, I think. Well, I th- I think the whole point isn't that it's spice, it's that the spice is mined by slaves. <laughs> Well, but I mean, the whole again, that all that's all the same point is that they're bad guys. So the fact that we can we can kill them off as much as we want and we can have our our villainous hero can can come across as a hero by murdering these people. Well, I like the fact that he murders them. They go through all this stuff. And then the resolution at the end is. Okay, and now you have to pay tribute and you're going to keep doing your stuff. <laughs> uh, I did like that we see the uh, the ninja guy they caught at the end of the last uh, episode. It's a... What? Huh? <laughs> I feel like you were just making random noises. I didn't know what you were doing. Oh. Are you about like the guy they jump into the Rancor bigger. pit? Well, that's what I was getting to. And then Doug, I heard Doug going, hello? Uh, uh, and I yeah. didn't know what he was gonna, where he was going. Um, but they do get the ninja guy, and they dump yeah, they dump him. They're like, well, if you're not going to talk to us, maybe you'll talk to Mr. Rancor. Dumped him down in the Rancor pit. And when he, like, freaks out, Fennec almost has, like, that, didn't you fucking watch Return of the Jedi, you piece of shit? The Rancor's dead, dummy. And then he feels really stupid. I thought it was hilarious. Well, the thing is, that was a gag they pulled on me as well, because I absolutely got excited to see a Rancor. And (laughs) I absolutely was like, as soon as the Rancor didn't show up, I'm like, right, I watched that animal die. So how could it still be there? Why would I why would I get tricked by that? But I was just yeah. so into the show at the moment that I didn't think about it until it happened, kind of like. No, I mean, I trust me. I spent 2 seconds. I think I literally said out loud, "Oh shit, we're going to see a rancor?" And then, "Oh wait, no, they killed the rancor." And then the door goes up and there's nothing. And I was like, "Oh, yeah, that was the whole joke." Gotcha. We had the return of the mayor's a, douchebag assistant. <laughs> Which apparently he is a very famous improv guy. I recognize this voice. I just can't quite put my finger on it. If you look the picture of him up without the the head tendrils, he is definitely one of those guys. And you're like, oh, that guy. Yeah, it's kind of weird. Some of the modern day stuff, they're not really advancing the plot much, but all the backstory stuff has still been really entertaining, so it's okay. Anything else? No, I, no, I just I just it, really want to see that Wookiee fuck somebody up. Yeah, me too. Yeah, but I kind of always want to see a Wookiee fuck somebody up. It does seem like true. it is one of those one where they're just like, yeah, here's a Wookiee. You guys want to see a Wookiee fuck some shit up? And you're like, yes. And they're like, ah, well, maybe later. 
That's good. But what's he doing there? Being all tough and badass if he's not going to fuck some shit up. And they're like, yeah, we'll get to it. It's Johnny Fast. Establishing. We're just establishing things at this point. We don't have time for actual <laughs> fighting to happen yet. It's Johnny Favs. He knows what he's doing. He does. I, at this point, I when it comes to the Disney Plus stuff, I'm just like, you know what? I have faith. They've put this in the right hands, and that's all that matters. Mm-hmm. Fucking John Favreau. Who would have thought the guy from Swingers was going to reinvent? Well, number one, create the Marvel Cinematic Universe and then reinvigorate Star Wars. Like fucking fat kid from Rudy, man. <laughs> he wasn't even Rudy. He was Rudy's friend. He did. A, he did a mm-hmm. great job of cheering Rudy on. I guess we just didn't know he was going to do that for the rest of the world. Like, <laughs> <laughs> see, I was going to throw down Digger from uh, PCU, but fair um, enough. Uh. Now we'll just have to see if he shows up to like Star Wars festivals wearing the Star Wars t-shirts or if he's not going to be that guy. (laughs) Don't be that guy. See if Jeremy Piven taught him his lesson or not. Uh, Jeremy Piven, he used to be a lot of fun before he turned out to be a piece of shit. I disagree. I think he was always a piece of shit, but he used to be a lot of fun before we knew. (laughs) I don't even know what he did, to be honest. Uh, I've heard he's, he's very grabby. Yeah, I've lost track of how everybody in Hollywood's a piece of shit. I just kind of assume they all are at this point. Yeah, pretty much. Except for motherfucking yeah. Tom Hanks. Tom oh, Hanks is either, yeah. is either an angel or he is a motherfucking genius at hiding all of his misfortunes. Somebody I know. He's, I he's this, too pure. Like, he's going to turn out to be a cannibal. Yeah, somebody I know had an encounter with Tom Hanks and insists he was a total asshole to them. And I'm like, no, like, I don't yeah. want to hear your story. Don't ruin it. Maybe he's having a bad day. Maybe I tried that. I tried that. Maybe he was having a bad day and they were like, no, he wasn't. He was just an asshole. And I'm like, no, he bad day. When, when, did they, when did they encounter him? Was it within the past like a uh, couple decades or? It was, I don't know. I don't have. The energy to do math. It's after okay. midnight. It was the person claims they were 13 in the story and they are 40 or 41 now. So you do the math yourself. It's about 27 years ago. So I was about 15. <laughs> yeah, he could probably get away with it then. All right. Now he's wizened and, uh, you know, knows how to treat people. All right. I will bring this up next time. Maybe he was uh, shooting Philadelphia, and so he was in a bad place mentally because he was in character. <laughs> that's that's giving it a lot. I won't go that far. <laughs> I liked your first answer. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, that's where we're going to end. All right. Um, well, I was rich- we didn't say anything about Boba Fett this time. We're nah, just like, the- oh, whatever. I feel like there's not a whole lot to cover. It's just no train ride was cool. It was awesome when he went on that LSD trip. And, you know, that's pretty much it. Please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater. And now, folks, it's time to say goodnight. 
We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night.